Well, the Breakdown Podcast is back as we head towards the quarterfinals of the Rugby World Cup. We are back in Paris as the two big games are heading up this weekend. The two that we knew were always going to happen, whether it was going to be South Africa or Ireland or the All Blacks in France, which way it would finish. We didn't know pre-tournament, but it's ended up the Ireland taking on the All Blacks first, then France taking on South Africa. Back-to-back, massive weekend. But we shouldn't forget there's another couple of games on as well. But Mills Malioina is joining me. Before we get into all of that, there's a lot of teams that are going home. There's a number of sides that are going home. One of those being Australia. And we've probably talked about that enough. I will ask you, though, reports coming out now that it appears as though Eddie Jones is in all likelihood going to return to Japan and replace Jamie Joseph as their head coach. Now, is that a surprise? Or, I mean... Was he disingenuous when he starts saying, oh, no, I haven't had any discussions? Because clearly he must have had discussions if that's going to happen so very, very quickly. And what does that mean for Australian rugby? And um, look, you and I both know Eddie. You probably know him better than I do. Um, Clearly he's had great success as as a rugby coach. But surely is this legacy now, is it in jeopardy? Is it in doubt? Or are there question marks about what he's done for Australian rugby and what he's done in the last well, since he took the job, because it's not even been 12 months, right? Um, and what he's, if he does leave, what he's left them looking like going forward. He's probably left them in a worse spot, really. I think uh, just, you know, the fact that he's sort of made out also, it'd be disappointing that he's going to go because he's, he's obviously made out that, you know, he's solely focused on Australia, uh, the development, the next four years. Um, and then to now sort of reports coming out that he's actually going to leave uh, after being in the job for less than 12 months, um, considering where they, they were. Um, obviously, this result um, has been terrible, but the fact that he's actually been uh, engaged in conversation prior to this tournament, um, so I, I wouldn't say it's almost tarnished his rep- reputation in some sense, but I think if you're an, a Wallaby fan or a Wallaby player, um, you'd be bitterly disappointed at the way this has sort of panned out and the fact that if he is going to leave, um, they've almost, well, they have gone backwards. This is the first time he's gone somewhere where he hasn't had an immediate impact. Normally he goes to a yeah. country or a team or wherever he goes to, and for about at least two to three years, there's... Straight away. Straight away, right? Yeah. They, they they get a shift. They make a change. Yeah. Now, now it's easy to go, well, did he have the cattle? You were actually reasonably bullish about their abilities going into this mm. Rugby World Cup, given I probably agree in terms of, I think there's enough talent there. Yeah. It just hasn't managed to come together. But in terms of him having less an impact, is, is there any chance that maybe there has to be a certain environment that he has to go into now, given the fact the players are very different than when they used to be 20 years ago? I mean, because that's how long he's been involved, longer than that uh, at the highest level, but particularly international rugby. Is maybe Japan, is that an environment? Because he was the probably the, he was the guy, right, at Rugby World Cups who took them to that next level when they, yeah. all of a sudden, the big result against South Africa in 2015. If he is going to go, is maybe Japan the best place for him and his coaching style now? And suits probably what he's he's about. I mean, you're right. I mean, they're two different sort of places that he has gone to. He went to England, had, had a, 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 you know, an immediate impact straight away, but well over the resource, right? He had plenty of resource there. He had uh, the financial backing and also, I suppose, the development of the players within within the clubs. Japan's a little bit different. It's kind of like a follow me sort of attitude. Probably has 
um, well, I, I think sort of agree that might have a bit of um, resource um, within the clubs, but he was very influential in the clubs, um, particularly in Suntory. But um, a, a side that really um, you know relied a lot on pride, and then he sort of tweaked it a little bit. Um, that Japanese side in terms of um, the way they sort of played, and it became down to sort of you know a lot of it was you know grit, and determination, and plenty of heart. You know when they won against South Africa in 2015. Australia is a little bit different. Um, so competitive in terms of the other sports that they have, uh, declining sort of sport in, in Australia. Um, results and, and Super Rugby haven't been that flash. And he tried to make, it, uh, make an immediate impact by changing the players, um, picking re- a really inexperienced side, uh, particularly in the playmaker role. He, he chopped and changed from his name. Admittedly, his captain was, wasn't healthy from the, from the get-go. Then he lost another captain. Um, and then he sort of chopped and changed his halves. Uh, I think we ended up having about four or five captains within that sort of well, six-month period, whatever he was in um, charge of. So, um, and perhaps he's, he's thinking, man, that four years might be a bit too uh, big, a bit too big, big of a challenge to bite off. Like, well, let's go to Japan and see what we can make make here. So, look, I hope it's not the case. I still think, I think for our sake in New Zealand, um, you know, the game over in Australia there needs there needs to be a change because if this is gonna if he's gonna leave and the Wallabies setup is gonna be affected by it, that will that will have an effect on what we do. You know, the bleeders load, you know, Super Rugby, uh, the championship, um, and you don't really want that because they've been a really strong force. We lost South Africa already in, from our competitions. Um, you know, would be looking at this purely going in on, on our own. Well, we kind of have already, haven't we, in yeah. terms of the results. Um, so perhaps he is, you know, he, he's thinking more now at a stage of his career that hey, Japan, too big a build, too big a rebuild, too, too big a rebuild, too big, a, too big, too big, and perhaps you get, um, you know, more inroads with a side like Japan because it kind of they they kind of have been there, but they're still a developing side. If that yeah. makes it, whereas a, you know a, the expectation on Australia is they're not a developing side; they're they're a top four side, you know. All day, every day. Whereas Japan, you might be getting small wins because they're just they're still seen as a, I suppose, um, you know, a developing sort of nation. Well, at least the top eight side, Australia. Yeah. And and the the ironic thing about all of this is that ultimately we probably we're not going to escape them um, because Japan are looking at coming into the <laughs> coming into the rugby championship, and we've just signed an agreement with Japan to have more engagement with him. So, but it's probably enough talking about Australia because clearly, if if you were going to look at um, the team that was probably the dis- biggest disappointment, they were the side, yeah. given where they ended up. But ultimately, they were always in a difficult pool because, you know, Wales were that team, which we actually probably thought, we probably underestimated, yeah, and did. did really, really well. And then Fiji, we actually all believed was good enough to get out of the pool stage, yeah. but it wasn't at the expense of Australia. Okay. But let's look at the teams that are going home. And was there was there another team other than Australia that probably ended up having a disappointing Rugby World Cup? Oh, I'm not uh, Well, I, I would have loved to have seen a bit more from Samoa. Yeah, I know they got um, close with, with England and, you know, probably deserved to win that game. Um, there was a lot of, um, you know, even, even Tonga, um, there was a lot of sort of hope on some of those um, players that had played for other nations to go and return back. I, I thought that might have been a little bit, bit more sort of um, competitive in some of the games, but they, they just looked... Um, out of sorts, more 
there was no rhythm in what they were trying to do. There was, there was sort of different guys coming. It almost impacted them negatively having those guys come in because they both teams weren't quite sure about the style they wanted to play. Um, I don't think there's there was too many other sort of teams that really stood out. The one the one team that has made the quarterfinal that still hasn't really fired is Argentina. Like they have not played to the to the standard that we've often seen from Argentina. They're almost sort of limping towards the end of this this tournament. But Portugal uh, having their first win, that's fantastic, you know. I mean, that's what you want for the global game, you know, those uh, Tier 2 nations, Tier 4, Tier 3 nations having that, because that just grows the game. Um, yeah, it was at, at the expense of the Fijians, um, who still, still make the quarterfinals. But games like that, um, you know, uh, Italy, you could say, you could, you know, I mean... They were looking all right after their first game, and then you know they, you know, just went, it just went to show. As soon as they hit the All Blacks, um, you know, they were absolutely um, nailed by the All Blacks, and then you know went on to France. And I thought they might have been a little bit more challenging in the last game, but again, um, just just it just didn't seem like they've, they've, they 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 have developed, and we're, we're probably already wanting them to, right? You know, six nations that come through, they had relatively. Um, smooth uh, preseason, um, but once they hit the, the top, the top teams they folded like they've they've kind of done in the past. It was a big gap. Let's be honest. Yeah. The top ten uh, in this competition, we sort of knew that uh, Italy you know, were disappointing. Um, Uruguay were great because yeah. you know, um, but they then, were surprising, weren't they? But, yeah, quite. yeah. It's funny because once again, because you don't see these guys play, but then if you go and look at their program and how extensive it is in terms of them playing their local teams, yeah. you know, playing Chile. You know, they play the odd game against Argentina. They play Argentina A a lot. You know, they're playing in qualifiers against, um, you know, the USA and, and right. uh, Canada. And so all of a sudden you're playing these qualifiers. Yeah. And for them, you know, ultimately their game against Namibia was their World Cup. They, are, they were, you know, yes, you're going to try and compete in the yeah. other games, yeah. but they go on and they win that game. And then there's the likes of Romania and, and um, you know, probably if there's another team that I thought was a little bit disappointing was Georgia. You know, I thought yeah. Georgia came into this tournament with, with the benefit of having played some quality opposition. You get a lot of their players who are playing in France. You know, um, are they at the point where they're a, bit, a little bit like Italy now? Is that they're sitting in that no man's land and they're probably in that ceiling of you know where the third best team going into rugby world cups fourth in, in a pool and how do you make them better? And you know, this is something world rugby is going to have to consider. And we can talk about all of this in depth afterwards, but I think there's a few sides that need to work out. Where it is they sit, how they play, and how they develop. You talk about chemistry, say some more, and Tonga struggle struggle from because they just don't play enough quality tests together. They don't have blocks of time together. They don't, you know, the Pacific Nations um, Cup was a really important competition which needs to be reinforced and reinvigorated, restarted. And so you start seeing USA, Canada getting some quality opposition because remember we've got a Rugby World Cup in the USA. That's enough about the teams that aren't going to be here. <laughs> Let's not worry about them. Let's focus on what's happening this weekend. Let's start with the two that. You know, we probably have thought least about because they don't involve the All Blacks. But England and Fiji. Fiji create history at Tukinum, beating England before the Rugby World Cup. England lose um, Owen Farrell before the tournament through suspension. They get to the very first game, and on the back of a 14-man performance against Argentina where they kick, I don't know, how many George Ford penalties did they kick? It was, it was 20-odd points, of, points yeah. at least. And... and they went to a, they kicked ninety five percent of the ball away, and that was basically enough to ensure that they got through to a rugby quarterfinal or a World Cup quarterfinal. And now they've got the team that is a hundred percent lipped in after 
playing great against Wales, amazing gets a win against Australia. This is Fiji we're talking about. And then it finds a way to manage to get the five points they required um, to get into the to the quarterfinals. I think this is one of the more intriguing ones because Fiji aren't playing like Fiji. England were almost written off before the tournament, yeah. but they've ended up stumbling to a quarterfinal where their expectation, even though they lost to Fiji, their expectation will be that they'll go ahead and win that game. Yeah. How do you see it playing out? Man, this, is, this is a weird one because... You know, after that game, you know, um, sorry, the first game of the, of the tournament, well, actually, go, go back before that, England won all sorts. Yeah. Right? They're absolutely all sorts. And then they won a game when they're one man down for 70 odd minutes of the, of the game, albeit um, it was really tactical, um, you know. Um, and you thought, okay, now England will rise again. But it's almost like that leak before the tournament has got back into the game and the, the doubts are back. Um, you know the the the, uh, the mistakes are flowing in that are still unsure about whether they're trying too hard. Guys getting pulled back. Farrell comes back into play, and then it almost soon seems a little bit more confused about sort of um, you know what they're actually doing. Then creeps in the you know the, the, the I suppose um, the lack of trust amongst what, what they're actually trying to uh, trying to achieve with Fiji. They've they've kind of linked in as well because they've kind of almost got to a stage where they're like, man. We got to play an eight-man game to try and compete with some of these teams, and, and, and absolutely, you know, disregarded the whole the, the freedom of the, how they play. And it's the balance is about getting that, that balance right. I get it, but it's almost like they've neglected one of their most utmost, uh, you know, their, their strengths yeah. to try and play a game, which I know their forwards and that are a lot better than what they have been. But they've neglected a big aspect of, of their game that has got them to where they are now. And probably if you think about Fiji, they've probably had more time together yeah. than they've ever had before. Yeah. And you wonder whether or not that's caught up in them as well. Yeah. Is the fact that, you know, you're talking about, they'll be, they're getting to the point where they've had two and a month, two and a half months of, of on tour. Yeah. That's not easy to get. Not, you know, and for very much who are family-based people, you know, who love the islands and, and uh, you know, the, all of a sudden, you know, they, they were, at the start of August, they were playing um, uh, Japan, yeah. you know. And so the, it's sort of the ones, the teams that maybe have had too big a lead in, and I was just looking at some of the results coming in. I mean, England lose to Wales. Um, they do then then beat them by two points the following week. But they they then have a, a loss to Ireland, and they looked absolutely out of sorts. They then lose to Fiji, and but here they are going into a quarterfinal in their own mind at with their rugby World Cup experience. They should win this. They should. They should win this, and and because they can go to a game, um, a defensive minded game yeah. that will suffocate a Fijian team who look as though they've. They've hit a bit of a wall. Mm. Now, whether or not Fiji can find those moments of brilliance, yeah. um, do things that will put pressure on England, I'm not 100% sure. But once again, I, <clears throat> I don't know how good England are. You know, they, I just don't know how good they are. Because because we saw last year against the All Blacks, yeah. you know, um, Marcus Smith, with 10 minutes to go, comes off the bench and ignites a great comeback to a resolvage a draw. Yeah. You know, and you start going, well, maybe they have got something. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... But for 65 minutes, 70 minutes, they look terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're complete control. So whether they've got enough here, I'm, I, I, and I have, I'm, I'm trying to pick an upset for Fiji, but I'm not sure, given what I've seen over the course of the last month, would give me any sort of confidence. So, you know, I like, I, I haven't got a definitive on this one. It's a bit like I haven't got a definitive on Argentina and Wales and the other yeah. quarterfinal as well. I'm lent up. I've taken a bet with Sir John Kewen because I just wanted to double nothing, see the single, see the. And I'm picking Argentina, but I'm not convinced on that either because the one team that has been 
a pleasant surprise has been Wales. Yeah, yeah. He, they're the one team that came in and you would go, I think Warren Gatland will be thinking to himself, what have I got myself into here? So unsettling. But they're the opposite to, for me to Fiji. The more time they've spent together, it yeah. is the better that they've looked yeah. and the way that they play. Yeah. And it's almost like you talk rediscovering their DNA, but they look better than that. Yeah. They look better than the team that under Warren Gatlin that held on to the ball for 25 phases and played a bit of what, you know, it was nicknamed Warren Ball, but it was a position-paced game. Yep. They look better than that, Mills. Yeah. I think, well, I think yeah, they look, and you mentioned Argentina's struggles. Yeah. It's almost like, on paper, that's if Wales are favourites, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, they're, little, they're, they're the opposite to the, well, they are what, well, I mentioned before what England. I thought England were going to be that game against Fiji. That first one actually ignited them. Um, and you're right; it's the the whole. They look totally different. A lot of the, a lot of people say the DNA. They know their DNA of holding on to the ball. They're now actually wanting to play, uh, and so they've almost picked that up. And I don't. Know, it can't have come from that one game against Fiji, but it almost that confidence has come from that game and the way they won it and the style that they played. To say, well, actually, we can actually play. You know, this game. You know, in a in an expensive way, um, and they've grown throughout this tournament. I I I, I can't see Argentina getting up for this. Um, I I just think Wales look are looking very very good, and because of everything else going on, they've, they've kind of slipped back under the radar again. You know, that first game was fantastic. Then you're kind of like, okay, well they're going through um, everything else that's going on with Australia. There's a lot of talk about Australia being out, and also Fiji. So now they sneak into these quarterfinals well and truly under the radar. I think that I think they'll they'll be too strong for uh, for, uh, for for Argentina. Yeah, I mean, if you look about their tournament, is the fact that they go through and they beat Fiji, and then you start giving some credit to Portugal. It's only twenty eight eight, and you're going, oh well, maybe they should maybe. But Portugal show them that they're niggly, yeah, they're competitive. Yeah. I mean, they, they they come in and they beat Fiji. Yeah. So so there's actually more merit in that. They wallop Australia. They comfortably beat Georgia. So you're sort of sitting there going, well, well, they are. I think the form, the, the form team going into the, going into this into this game, you know. Uh, and so I, I find it hard. I think it'll be a remarkable turnaround, and you know, um, to go from being what a losing semi finalist in 2019, um, if they were to get to get back to the semi finals, um, Warren Gatlin's got to get some serious amount of credit here. Oh yeah, I mean to to to, to create this sort of turnaround, the lead into the um, Rugby World Cup, a disastrous Six Nations. Um, if I look back, I think, did they lose to Italy? No, they didn't. They didn't lose. They beat they beat Italy in the Six Nations. That was their one win. Um, but the rest of it, it was it was nasty. So I, I sort of look at it and go, I, I think they're tough. I think they're tough. Before we talk the All Blacks, let's talk about the uh, the France South Africa game. That's the last game of the last quarter final of the weekend, and it looks as though and sounds as though Antoine Dupont. There's a high probability of playing here. You know, all the you know, when the surgeons saying it's fine, you know, hearing um, from behind the scenes that he took contact even as much as last week, he took some contact. Um, first and foremost, would you, if there was any risk, any risk of a lack of confidence, let's let's rule out any further injury. You know, but but let's let's also take this into account though. There could be there could be injury anyway. Like it's a contact sport, so. So he may not have, you know, there's no doubt there must be a heightened risk in some ways, but he's got a plate in his cheek. And most people don't have plates in their cheeks. So that's probably, that, that, that it's the sensitivity that you're thinking around rather than actual further damage. But, but, but would you play him if there was any 
any issue of confidence around his ability to do what he does well, would you play him? Oh. Like, like confidence in terms of taking contact? Yeah. If he if he's ready to go and he's and he's his confidence levels are but he's in a position that he's gonna get contact constantly, right? And but you do, you take that chance on DuPont. You know, he, he is a lot better than what Luku would would, yeah. would would produce even if he was a little bit hesitant, you know, and I and I think you, you do take that chance. Um but how much effect is that gonna have on the team? You know, when you're sitting there and you know your your main playmaker could possibly in in your mind as well. You're thinking, oh man, is he right? Is he what's he doing? What's he doing? Is that sort of it puts hesitation in everyone else's minds, unless he comes out and fires straight away. Uh, and so that's it's, it's not so much him being out there; it's the whole build up during the week because there'll be so much focus on making sure he's okay. So when you're doing your plays, your defensive side. All week you'd be thinking, I hope he's okay. I hope he's okay. Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not going to train as hard if I'm going into that area because I'm, I'm not I don't want to be the guy. I don't want to be the guy that took me out. Um, and so it's a, it's it's almost like it could possibly be a distraction without even them knowing that it's a, it's a yeah. distraction because there's so much talk around how DuPont is and that will have an effect on the way they the, the whole team trains as well in terms of you know their plays and everything else leading into the game. Um and then you've got a side like the South Africans who are just bubbling away, um, being a lot of focus on you know the makeup of their bench, um, and intriguing all the time who they talk about, not not just their bench but also the, the starters. There's been a lot of talk about you know the kicking, um, the inaccuracies of them, and who and selection sort of stuff. So you've now got a side that's sort of waiting there, fully focused on the distraction that's possibly in. The French side. So they're, they're, they're preparing differently as well. Then, so they're yeah. going, is he going to play or is he not going to play? Does that change them? I'm not sure. Um, so let's assume he is playing, right? And France beats the All Blacks. Um, uh, they get themselves past Uruguay. And then Italy and Namibia, no issues whatsoever, right? Uh, and big scores. Um, <laughs> how confident are you are that their style of football, the way that they want to play the game, is good enough to basically out-duel a Springbok side who we we talk a lot about what we know their DNA is. We have seen um, between these two teams, there's, there's, there's differences, right? Particularly the Springboks and the way that they go about their business. But they've shown a, a willingness from time to time with different per, per, personnel out there. So the difference between Villeneuve and uh, Villemsa and uh, Damien Villens at fullback, all right? All of a sudden, Villens has got a willingness to, to bring the ball back. Yeah. Um, um, uh, Manny Lavoque at first five has got a willingness to play um, a little bit more of an expansive on-the-line uh, cross-kicking kick-pass game, which Andre Pollard probably doesn't play as well or with, I think, the same amount of freedom. So when I start looking at these two teams, if DuPont is fully fit, with the weight of... The crowd behind them, because you would expect the crowd to be oh, behind yeah. them. But in saying that, I just don't know about the crowds. Because, like I say, there's been four, a population of, of, of four countries, fans, would have bought two quarterfinal tickets. <laughs> you know, they've been spread between four countries, right? Yeah. You know, that's what's happened. You know, like, and I don't think, there's such two great games. I don't know how easy, even if I'm not playing in one as a fan, I don't know how easy it would be to give up. And if I'm a, a, a French or South African fan, I'm pretty sure I will still want to go and watch the All Blacks yeah. play Ireland, you know? And so I'm just not sure how all that's going to play out as well because, you know, you assume home field advantage. 
But when you're buying tickets, will France actually have home field, home field advantage? <laughs> well, I think they will. I think, we, yeah, I think they, they definitely will. There would have probably have been about half of those tickets set aside just in case. Yes, just in case, right? Or the other, or the other tickets sort of probably you found a notification in your emails that it's been cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I think it is. Oh, I, th- I think there'll still be a massive, um, you know, a French. You know, the home 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 advantage is going to be huge for them. They they will have a lot of uh, supporters there. Um, to go back to your, you know, what you mentioned before about the style. This is what you know. Is, is South Africa prepared to go away from? Because I, I think you, when, in order to beat France, you have to play an expensive game. You have to sort oh. of up tempo. If, if you're going to go away from sort of that. Um, that strength of yours. And I'm not saying they, they um, you know, the other way wouldn't work for them. They know they're comfortable in going the other way. But do you go a little bit more expansive and, you know, possibly having, you know, Lebok and uh, come off the bench to try and create that? Should you not sort of be getting, you know, that sort of winning those moments in, in terms of the slower sort of set piece you know, type of style? Can you win this tournament with threes? I think you can. So, so that surely, if, if, if you're the Springboks, I mean, one of the teams that I find fascinating is Ireland, is the fact that, uh, and France is the same. France scores in the threes a lot. Yeah. Ramos is such a magnificent goal kicker. Yeah. You make mistakes 50, 55 out, and the balls are flying. And I've, I've said this on the right down, the fields are short. Um, but ultimately, three points on offer is all of a sudden going to become gold. Yeah. And if you go chasing sevens yeah. in this tournament, it's, I've said, I think the. the it's become the hardest five metres in sport the last five metres on a rugby field. I mean, how hard is it to get across the line now? You know, how difficult is it on that, you know, when, when you get into that war? So if you don't think you can win this tournament in threes? I think you can. You think you do? Yeah. I think you, you have to. And this is that whole finals football now, isn't it? You're not going to be seeing them go go to the touchline unless, you know, perhaps it might be 10 points up to really try and drive that in. But anything on offer, you can... You, the teams will take it, and that's that's probably why Pollard will, will will get the nod. You know, in terms of his kick, he's still he's a great football player. Yeah, yeah. He can still take to the line. He's strong. He's looking in great nick. Um, but I suppose they've got the comfort that hey, if it's not going that way, we go to a different game game plan, and that's bringing Le, uh, Leboc on and possibly moving the ball a little bit wider because they've got some great wingers, great attacking oh. you know, outsides too. I think we, we often forget that because we're so you know immersed in the fact that they're playing this sort of. You know, line out, drive everything else. They have got some quality. Yeah, Odinson and um, Colby are world class. Yeah. I mean, amazing. In yeah. fact, to the point that you want them to get the ball more. Yeah. You know, as fans, you're sitting there going, you're not giving these guys an opportunity to actually do something when you've got this wealth of talent and size and defence that is so brutal and physical and puts teams under so much pressure. One or two moments from your two world class wingers. All of a sudden, you've, it's a change. You, that, 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 that takes the game away from yeah. the opposition. Yeah. Quite often, I think, in some ways, the Springboks keep the opposition in the game yeah. by not suing. giving those guys a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Because then the opposition become okay. Well, we know where they're going. We can become very much focused on um, negating the high ball, making sure our scrum's right, making sure our lineout's good. We focus all the time on that because they're not really going to stress us. Yeah. Where one or two flash moments from from their outsides. Um, interesting. Springbok teams not. Out, yes. I know it's, it's weird, and that's weird for them. They are usually very, very early in terms of the announcement. Is that the first five thing? Is that the first oh, five man. thing? It's crazy because the only team that's, that's sitting out there side so, so far is the Irish, and the Springboks usually get it in 
two Maybe days Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, you know, like we're not we're still waiting for these sort of team announcement. So that must have something to do with. Oh man, I'm not too sure where they're at. You, you would think, and you and I both know we're in the environment. They've had the, the team picked up, you know, early on in the weekend you know, internally, right? Um, but this is very strange that the Springboks haven't named their best side because they usually name it on a Monday or Tuesday. In fact, we don't know the seven one six two split. I, I, I can't. I think it'll. I think it'll be six two. Yeah. I would be surprised if it's seven one. I think it'll be six two. But you get the sense they're waiting on something, on something um, else, or or don't want to show the cards too early. Particularly the, the first five card. Yeah, you know, that might be the, the okay. This is an indication about how we're going to play. Yeah. you know, which which is strange for me because they're usually that they. It's almost like they've taken pride in the fact we're going to tell you who's coming. Yes, you know. Yes, and so you prepare for as best you can, but it's not going to change anything. It. Yeah, this is it. You know, we, we've got you thinking about us already. Whereas at the moment they're not. They're not and maybe, and this is where you know. We talk about mind games, and we talked about Eddie Jones, and we talk about all these coaches, and Rusty Erasmus is, you know, you, you know, there's there's no one who's got a lot as much going on as he's got going on, you know, and 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 this is where we're at right now is that this weekend, and we'll now get to the the big game for us clearly, Ireland and the All Blacks, two of the top four teams are going home. That was always in the conversation. We. You know, we, we sat out and held hope for Scotland, but Scotland just confirmed what we already knew. There was a massive gap, you know, in terms of, yes, theirs would have been a monumental upset if they find, found a way. Ireland were, you know, completely dominant against them. Um, it, it did show to me how important it is you need to score early against Ireland. Yeah. Um, you know, if you get opportunities and if you get chance to get points. Um, Scotland, unfortunately, were in a position they needed to chase, chase there. a bonus point because if they wouldn't have, they would have taken the threes a little bit earlier on, but because of the nature of the tournament, I think that changed it. And once Ireland got out and, and you know, they scored two set-piece tries yeah. against Scotland, which was impressive from Ireland, uh, really well done. There was a lot of confusion. Um, you know, so so here we are. Um, bef- How disappointing, though, I mean, if you're, if you're thinking out of these four teams, which team do you think will be the most disappointed if they're going home? Oh, you'd have to say it's the the team in green and not South Africa it would absolutely be Ireland and you come in here world number one off the back end of 16 or 17 games in a row the expectation they are highly motivated you know the, the you know spring in their step because they're playing such good rugby they would be the most disappointed out of anyone yeah. to go home, you know. Even now, they, they, they're trying to claim the fact that they're a small nation. You know, they just oh, come on. That's, <laughs> did you see what Farrell said? A small nation, a small little island. They can, you know, they're, they're, they're now <laughs> seriously. <laughs> hey, but I, I think it'd have to be them. Did like, they try and claim the underdog tag? Oh well, well, not the underdog. Just to be classed in the same. From what I understand, it's claimed in the same sort of. Uh, bracket as the All Blacks, they are not. They're above at the moment. They're, the expectation on their shoulders is they are number one. The way that they're playing, they are number one. Um, but they're up against a team with history and a lot of history. Uh, and, and so, um, you know, for them to go home after the, uh, you know, well, we're, we're hoping that it happens, right? You know, as, as All Blacks supporters. But the way that they are playing, they deserve to be. Uh, the favourites. Last year, though, end of year tour, so they they're at home. They beat South Africa by three points. So that's so that's the streak starts when um, they beat the All Blacks in Dunedin, yeah. right? That's when it started. Yeah. So that's the middle of the last year. Second Test match, bizarre Test match, cards everywhere. All Blacks 
actually got themselves back in the game unbelievably after playing, what, 10 minutes with 12 men or something stupid before halftime. Anyway, it started there. But then they beat the Springboks at home, 19-16, beat Fiji, 35-17. And then they beat Australia, right, by three points, 13-10, last test match of the year. And then you come and you go into the, the, the Six Nations. The dominant Wales, impressive performance against France, um, beat Italy by a couple of tries, Scotland by 15. And then they go into this lead-up, um, and then they beat England by 13 points. So then they go into lead-in to the, the Rugby World Cup. Easy against Italy, England. Four points over Samoa, all right? And then their Rugby World Cup start, their journey starts. So I sit there and go, there's some games in there against teams that have underperformed this Rugby World Cup where the margins have been really small. And so you start thinking about, it's not like they're not capable of an off game, right? Yep. Now this is... You know, and you've got to go back and look at the squads and who played in those. But is it as convincing as the record actually shows? Like, is it, is it that convincing? You know, um, Six Nations champions. Um, I mean, is it what Andy Farrell's talking about? That, you know, we've done incredibly well with what we've got and where we are and who we've, who we've become. Um, is, it, is this game a lot closer with the All Blacks? Then I think a lot of people are thinking. Oh, I think so. Absolutely, it is. I mean, when you look at it, it's been a long time since they last played. When you read it like that, <laughs> man, there's some merit in there, man. Like that. I mean, I mean, they they haven't blown out and sort of been really dominant, but they have shown against you know the, the top nations that they they have the ability to be able to win. This will be a, a, and the fact that they've travelled so well. When is that off game? You know, there is that possibility that they, they could have that. You know, the expectation of going out there, the hype around the fact that they are number one. Um, there's a bit of nibble about the last time um, these two teams met. Um, everything else that sort of has that, that comes with it. So, um, oh look, they're a wonderful side, but you know they haven't been to a place before. We keep harping on about it because it is a factor when you expected. Um, you roll in with the expectation that you're number one. It does different things to different sort of teams. Um, you know, hopefully for them, um, it, it, it doesn't do what we wanted to do, <laughs> and and, um, and and put them under immense pressure that they that they do end up. Going. And that's why I want to come in now. Go on the flip side of it, right? Well, if you look at the All Blacks after that third Test match yeah. against Ireland, right? And so what they then had to endure. So we go and play South Africa in South Africa, and we get Mombella. 2016, we lose. But then we go on our own streak. We beat South Africa, we beat Argentina, um, we then thump Argentina, um, uh, we then go and beat Australia um, controversially. And of course, that was the um, uh, famous test match with yep. the, the score in the final minute. Then we thump Australia. Second team goes and beats Japan, which took us a while. We then thump Wales. Second team plays Scotland, we beat Scotland. And then that, it's almost like the England draw was the, the big momentum killer, yeah. the big shift. But if you then looked at the 70-minute mark, we were comfortably the better team on the park. It was it was 25-10, to 10, I think it might have been at the time. I mean, 25-8. Yeah. And, and oh. there was no way we were losing that test yeah, match. I, and I watched it all unfold. Yeah. I turned it off. I thought, I was like, well, mate, we're going to cruise in now. It's with, with doubt to them. And then you hear yeah, the result. Yeah, from Bowden Barrow. And so all of these things. So then we come to this season and... You know, anyone who's negative can find a way. Yeah. Oh, Argentina were underprepared, so we put we went to Argentina and thumped them. You know, we beat South Africa with a 25-minute blitz to start the game. Then we wallop Australia in Australia. 
we play our other guys in Dunedin and we still find a way to win. Yeah. And then it's this game in Twickenham, right, which was, once again, it's like the England game, the momentum killer of, oh, oh all those doubts coming in. Have we, even though we lose to France in the first game, with those three performances, have, do you think this team has arrested all of those doubts? They're gone, you know? Do you reckon this group now knows that we are good enough after beating, um, you know, we've beaten South Africa this year. Yes, we've lost to them. Um, you know, if you talk about trying to time your run, preparing for a game, uh, I've mentioned all of the players we've gone through over the last three years to get to this point. Um, are we ready for this challenge? I think we are. I, I 100%. Well, in fact, man, when you see them, I, I 100% believe that we're ready, we're ready for this. Um, the game, you know, in Twickenham, yeah, we got absolutely demolished. Um, I mean, they they weren't, uh, they wasn't very very good, even the game against France. But there's factors in there. Guys had played for a long time. You look at the French game. I thought we almost had France. You and I were both just yeah, before half time, yeah, eh? Just before half time, there was a mistake. The water breaks didn't help at all because you almost got the sense that man, well, they were the French were out on their feet. Um, then the game turned slow and allowed them to um, regroup uh, and then go to the mistakes sort of came in um, so if you go on where we started in the championship I think there's a lot in there that suggests that we can get to that level we've got nice consistency now within these last four weeks they've had to prepare a lot different to the other sides you know when you look at comparing them to you know the what islands come in they've come off a pre-season really hit it hard and now they're focused and we've, we've had to come off a season then drop down to Basically, having nothing for three or four weeks, and then to try and ramp things up again. So we're almost half, half ready, but half not. Yeah. Um, but I think what what convinced me that um, you know they're there sort of physically um, in terms of, of the speed they're playing is that game against Italy. You know, when they had a big break, they came back. Um, potentially, that game had all sorts because you could have easily come back a little bit rusty and they looked really sharp. Yeah, okay, there was moments against Uruguay where you think, uh, you know, particularly the first team, but are you going to get there? Yeah. I don't actually mind the fact that, that, that they went through there, and I don't think they would have minded that too because that's basically, well, whilst the intensity is not there, the pressure is there, that's basically what we're going into now. Maybe you're going to find yourself trying to win those sort of big moments. I think they are. I think these guys, they understand. Um, what sort of style of game they want to play, the, the execution, you're comfortable with the guys that have been selected, you've been there, you've just been a bit of hurt, but also um, it's taken us a while to get to our team and, and our consistent, sort of a consistent lineup. if that makes any sense. It does. And Nisbo mentioned something to me the other day. The All Blacks haven't, scored a, haven't conceded a try in the first half of this tournament. Yeah. So that tells me that we're actually starting well, yes, they're actually, you know, it's, it's the fact that we're not not allowing the opposition to get yeah, on top of us, yeah. you know, is the fact that we're actually starting well. Now, I think the All Blacks have always been about how we start. You know, um, as much as we can chase games, when we get confidence, when we get belief, and we start to get that 20, you know, if you can get that 20 to 25 minutes of our rugby, yeah. and the opposition don't get the chance to catch their breath. Yeah. You know, and this is what Ireland will be wary of. I, I look at this and go, you know what, we've we're going to rely heavily on two or three players to have their best games. Um, but I find the, the discussion and chat around areas that apparently Ireland have it over us, I'm not convinced. You know, like, I, I just can't, I can't say definitively that their front row is better than our front row, that their locks are better than our locks. Hold on. 
I mean, I look at Brody Retellick and Scott Barrett at the moment. We've got a guy who's played 150 test matches on the bench. You know, I think there's there's too much to like about, you know, we're assuming that's the way that they're going to go. But there's too much for me to like about where we're at right now. And so I'm actually, I'm pleasantly confident because we've been here before. Yeah. They've, they've never been here before. Yeah. They've never been the number one team in the world going into a game against the All Blacks, you know, under this sort of pressure. Um, it's all right. What are the four that go through? You got to make a statement. Final, final, final. This is jeopardy. Final jeopardy. If you're going, all right, who who's going to go through? Who are the teams that are going to be playing in the semi-finals? Well, my quarter-final picks were no good, so I've got to get this right um, in terms of the semi. I think England are going to go through. Um, Wales, yep, will go through. I think the Springboks can do get this done. Yep. So. I'm picking, you know, the Springboks, and obviously, lastly, the All Blacks. Um, so there's my four: England, Wales, South Africa, and us. So the two Southern Hemisphere, two Northern Hemispheres, and then all of a sudden it'll be because the crazy thing about that was the there'll be the battle of the hemispheres in the semi-finals, and then it could because ultimately be North. I mean, because it and to me that's actually that would be a great storyline. You know, in terms of the fact that the the styles, the the contrast, the hemispheres, all of those battles going into it. How do I see it playing out? Um, I've got, I've got, I've, I've, I'm actually probably with you. I, you know, I think of all the teams that's going to be the hardest to beat at this stage of the tournament, South Africa are going to be that team. You know, and as much as I would love to see the home nation yeah, go yes. through. Um, and I'm with you 100% on the other games. I think England and Wales are going to come through just on form and the way that they're playing. You know, so we're actually going to agree on all of it. I'm, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I'm seeing that. And, you know, um, I, you know, it's funny because I'd love to see, ultimately, as much as I, I would love to see an All Blacks France final, yeah. an All Blacks Springbok final, <laughs> you know, like, you know, for the first time since 1995, yeah. you know, like at the... Because we've played them in pool games, and yeah, yeah, yeah. but our final yeah. that would be epic. That would be epic. It's been massive this tournament, um, but ultimately we always waited. This is when it becomes a still die. Yeah. Someone's getting on a plane on Monday, and there's four teams that'll be going home. So I can't wait for it. We'll, uh, we'll analyze it. We'll talk about it next week. But I hope everyone enjoys what's going to be a fantastic Rugby World Cup weekend. We'll see you next week talking about what's happened after the weekend. That's us from the Breakdown Pod from Paris. We'll talk to you next week.